worked very hard on, on fitness and um, and the running game. That's what kind of led me to, to want this dream of being a, a racing driver. There's no point in time and anything except standards of excellence. We will deal with the Talton Cup if we're in it and we'll, we'll certainly give it every bit of respect. There's no feeling that beats playing for Ireland. My God, I'm going to do everything that is possible to bring us there. This is Sports Beat Extra. On this week's show, we're focusing on Waterford FC's FAI Cup encounter with Shelburne, as well as diving into the positivity around the RSC. But first, we hear from the Tipperary man who ran two marathons a day for 19 days. As always, I'm Sean Connolly, and you're very welcome to Sports Beat Extra. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. I'm extremely pleased to welcome an inspirational Tipperary man to the show. Ben Banahan has completed an almost unthinkable run from the northernmost part of Scotland to the southernmost tip of England. To put this in perspective, it's essentially the equivalent of two marathons run a day for 18 days straight. And it was all in aid of a Roscommon-based charity, Join Our Boys. Firstly, you're very welcome to the show, Ben. How are you? Um, I'm doing a bit better now. It's been uh, about two, just over two weeks since I finished, so... Um I find it well-recovered, still one or two niggles, but uh, yeah, I'm on demand. I suppose to begin with, when did your love for ultra running actually start? Um, love is a strong word after doing a few, but um, <laughs> I I suppose when COVID hit, um, I was actually, I was working on Bayes over in London and I was put on furlough, so I had to stop work and I was kind of told, told to stay at home. But um, actually, I moved back to Ireland um, and I kind of went from living and working full time in London to being in a small village in Tipperary, Kildanyan. Um And I just have a big passion for sports, whether it's, you know, soccer, hurling, whatever, Gaelic football. Um, but obviously with COVID, everything was put on hold, so I didn't want to stop doing sports. So I decided to take up running and, yeah, in particular, ultra running. Obviously, as a sports nut myself, you know, there's so many benefits from running and exercise in general, particularly that of the mental benefit that is there. And particularly during COVID, it was never more prominent. Is that something that really sort of helped you in the decision to get involved with that sort of running side of it? Absolutely. That's why I did it, because I wouldn't, I, I knew I'd like, I, I'd lose my marbles if I was just sitting at home, not being able to get out there and move and do some sort of sport. Um, like, I did an awful lot of sports growing up, um, but I never ran a marathon. And then, yeah, I decided to, I ran Ireland um, during the during the pandemic. And then I moved back to, to London and I decided to, to keep going and try and, you know, build on what I'd done. And then I ran Britain. Tell us a bit about Join Our Boys. So they are a trust that were set up about 10 years ago following the, um, the diagnosis of Archie Norton. Um, he was a young boy who was diagnosed with Dutch and muscular dystrophy. And then once they saw kind of a few conditions in him, um, they got um, his two younger brothers, Isaac and George, tested as well. And um, they have it as well. So, yeah, three young boys, a 16-year-old, two, two young boys that are twins that are 12 now, um, all have the condition, but... When I started training for the run, um, running Britain, I actually I went back to Ireland to spend a bit of time and to raise awareness for Duchenne muscular dystrophy with uh, with the trust and the family. But um, I was very very lucky to meet Archie. But unfortunately, since then he um, he actually he passed away to the condition. So there's a real kind of big push and emphasis trying to 
you know, get donations in and try and find a cure or else try and find some sort of treatment that will slow down the condition. It's incredibly admirable and I'm incredibly sorry for your loss. Can you explain the the challenges that individuals face with this disability on a daily basis? Um, yeah, so so it's a muscle wasting disease. Um, and as, you know, people who have the disease get older, um, their condition, you know, deteriorates and their body just gets, you know, worse and worse and they become less and less dependent. Um, so, yeah, it's like as time goes on, the worse the condition gets. But, um, you know, it, it can be hard because, you know, especially for the families having to deal with it because, you know, they're trying to give their all um, to the boys and to the, you know, trying to find that treatment and cure. But, um, yeah, it's uh, extremely, extremely tough for them. Absolutely. And moving to the fundraiser itself, can you describe a standard day of training and preparation? <laughs> yeah. Um, so... <clears throat> When I moved back to London, I, I'm a construction manager over in London and working in the construction industry, it's quite a time-consuming job. And unfortunately, ultra running is quite time-consuming as well. You know, you can't do a 20 or 30 kilometer run in, you know, a half an hour or an hour. You actually have to put a lot of time aside. So I suppose a typical day would be me up at half six, in work for half seven, finished work at about... 7 p.m., kind of commute home, have food, um, let the food digest before I go out and train. I could be going out training at 8, half 8, doing a 20 or 25, 30-kilometer run, home at 11, half 11, and then more food, shower, and then I'd actually have to spend a bit of time prepping for the event itself, um, like the logistics and everything involved in organizing and doing around the length of the country it's um it's a challenge in itself <laughs> and that is an absolutely brutal sounding day that that presumably lasted for months and months did it um yeah so i've been training since december last year um and then i started to run in on the 5th of september so yeah it was about nine months of that but you know i i, I knew what i was signing up for and i wanted to make an impact and help this family in distress. So, yeah, that was my my motive. What was your diet like on a daily basis with, with that sort of training? Uh, so I, I had a nutritionist. His name was Chris Lowe. He's um, based over here in England. Uh, I was, yeah, I was having about between three and a half to 4,000 calories a day. Um, and, you know, I was just trying to concentrate on getting good quality foods. And so, you know, I'd have my oats in the morning and I'd have my chicken and rice and stuff at lunch. And then I'd have, yeah, kind of, I suppose, fish and red meat for dinner. Plenty of good solid carbohydrates and plenty of protein to help with your muscle recovery. I can't imagine that the 1,400 kilometers, give or take, was plain sailing. Can you share some of the most memorable moments from the experience that you had? Um... I suppose probably the most memorable moment was when I had um, Paula, the mother of the boys, um, herself, Sinead, and Lloyd, who's their uh, documentary man who's trying to document and record all the struggles that they're going through. Um, they all came over and surprised me. Um, and it was actually, it was, I'll never forget it, but like where they surprised me was like halfway 
over the bridge, over the River Seven, as I was going from Wales back into England. Um, so that was quite uh, a good surprise as, as I was on the back end of the trip. Um, but it, it's, it's hard to, and even like me and the lads on my team, I had a support team with me, uh, it's hard to put into words what we did because it felt like Groundhog Day and it felt like every day was the same. But like, you know, when you look back and we talk about, I suppose, the different stories and the different things that happened on the daily. Um, yeah, it was amazing. And, you know, like even my support team was me and a bunch of my best friends. Um, and, a lot, you know, they're kind of they're based all over between Brighton, London, Nina and Tipperary. Um, all these guys didn't know each other kind of coming into it. But now, you know, friends for life. Um, and, it's you know, it's quite powerful that, you know, a run, an unsure run could, could do that and have that impact on people. It took three weeks and started out in John O'Groots and ended up in Land's End. It's, it's mammoth. I, I can't even fathom in my head how that's possible. So the, the <laughs> it actually, it worked out. Um, I finished on 19 days and I think it was 1,350 kilometers. Yeah. Wow. That's... Wow. Yeah. And it wasn't the first time that you've undertaken a venture like this. You've successfully run the length of Ireland also. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so um, I ran Ireland during Easter 20 last year. Um, and yeah, I did that in aid of Mental Health Ireland and Alana Sheehan, who um, was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer the year previous. And, you know, I kind of, like, I think it's important that, that I say, and I mentioned that, like, I'm, you know, I'm doing this for myself um, and then doing it for my own kind of mental health and mental development through fitness and running but um i just see it as an opportunity to you know to help these people who who need help and to raise awareness for you know conditions like muscular dystrophy and mental health but um it's, it's quite funny um i learned a lot from from running ireland that was 550 kilometers in seven days and yeah i actually i felt i learned a lot from it and i actually i felt it better at the end of running Britain than I did on day, day two or day three of Ireland just from learning the hard way. I suppose you you never stop learning even in something as dramatic as that. And tell me, does the future hold more of these particular fundraising events for you? Yeah, um, I'm kind of weighing up my options at the moment. I'm, uh, I'm definitely, I really, really want to stay running and running countries. I know it's a bit bonkers but I just feel you know if I'm able and if I'm able to kind of give to people who need a bit of help um why stop and why stop making an impact but um yeah I'll definitely I'm definitely planning on doing more I just don't know what's what's next with regards to the tremendous run that you just completed in Britain do people still have the opportunity anyone listening now to actively donate to the cause that you were working towards they do, and they can donate on the Join Our Boys website or through my social media platforms. But um, I would, I would recommend people to go onto the Join Our Boys website, which is www.joinourboys.org. Um, and you know, please donate if you can. And even like my employer, who I'm working with, based over here in the UK, um, have really, really kindly agreed to triple whatever I make. So, you know, if people donate one euro, it turns into three euro. If people donate five euro, it, tri- it gets tripled into 15 euro. 
Um, so it will really, really make a big impact. And, you know, hopefully we find find a cure for, for Duchenne. That's absolutely brilliant. And as I said at the very start of the conversation, the word inspirational probably doesn't do you justice. It was a pleasure speaking with you and I look forward to hearing about your latest venture. Nice one. Thanks very much. Tracking sport across the southeast. Waterford FC manager, Mr. Danny Searle, kindly taking time out of preparations for tomorrow's game to come in and speak with me. How are you today, sir? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you, Sean. How are you? Doing great, doing great. Now, before we touch on tomorrow, obviously we'll touch on the uh, the last outing that the club had, a comprehensive 3-0 victory against Treaty. About as good as it gets for you, isn't it? Yeah, look, we, we wanted to... We set some standards before the game of what we wanted to achieve and we wanted to control pretty much every element of the game and obviously they had a couple of little spells where they created some chances but all in all yeah, we, the, the lads did exactly what I wanted them to do and if I'm honest we probably could have won by more And but credit to the lads 3-0 home win um, leading into the cup semi-final and three points on the board which uh, put us into second place which was what we've uh, been, been striving to do for a while so all good. It's great when things come together, isn't it? So that puts you five wins on the bounce. Tremendous consistency and form. What's the secret behind it? Exactly what you just said, consistency. We we need to... We've clearly got the ability in the group. You've seen that with performances this season. We've seen that with some of the goals we scored. We've seen that with some of the desire and determination we've had to keep clean sheets in tough circumstances. So we've we've got the attributes to do things. It's, it's the consistent work that we need to do every day on the training field. It's the consistency around the staff, around the players. And I'll keep using the word, but consistency breeds consistency. And that's... that. The lads will get bored of me saying it, but it will never stop because until we we win in every week, um, uh, that's that's going to always be the focus. Obviously, I know it's incredibly important to, to stay in the here and now, plenty of games, but we're looking at a playoff picture. How g'd up is the dressing room for that playoff? I'm going to sound a bit boring, Sean, to be honest, because we, we we've not really looked at it. We okay. obviously we've got to take care of Shelburne first, and uh, that's probably the biggest. One of the biggest changes that I made when I came in was, look, stop thinking about the future. We've got something in the here and now we have to take care of. And you can get carried away at times with trying to plan who we're going to play in that game and what the systems and looking at their results and looking at their form. And it takes your eye off the ball. And we talk about, we've just talked about consistency. Well, you throw complacency in there. And I think you can become complacent if you take your eye off what's actually in front of you. And look, we, we, we're fortunate we're in a position where we can be successful on two fronts and we obviously bear that in mind but shells first let's, let's take care of that and then we'll, we'll go from there that's it that's it now one thing I want to touch on because you made mention to it a moment ago about getting into second place it's not so long ago that the general consensus was Division 1 saw Cork Galway saw contingent below Waterford and the Waterford almost in limbo it was seen as something that maybe it's not possible to get into that sort of conversation with Cork and McGalway. You've done that and you've done it in trumps and second place is now obviously the goal, especially getting even a bit closer to Cork City after what's occurred last night. Yeah, look, I, I think really, what's really important is when I, when, when I came into the club that there was, there was obviously a positivity around the group that just won six in a row and Gary and David had done a fantastic job. But we needed to bring a little bit more ruthlessness to us. We needed to bring a little bit more focus on what we wanted. And 
within reason, I don't think the club was ever any in danger of finishing outside of the playoffs. Mm. But there's little personal milestones that you want to hit and there's little club milestones you want to hit. And the focus was to catch second place. And when you look at the points difference when we came in, pretty much everyone, like you said, had written us off. Um, since since I've been here, we're now top of the form table. And it it's a little bit frustrating because you think, well, oh, it'd be nice if the season was four or five games longer than what it yeah, is now because yeah, I'd, I'd actually back us to win it. But look, it is what it is. And we've, 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 we've caught Galway, we've overtaken them. Second place is now in our hands. And that that's a fantastic achievement for this group of players. So not only have, obviously, have we got the the excitement of the cup on uh, tomorrow, but we've also got the the opportunity to say, well, look look at what we've managed to achieve already. And uh, I'm really proud of the group. I'm proud of the staff and everyone's working in the same direction and I, and I can't fault them. Yeah, it's uh, from the outside looking in, massive feel-good factor. And I suppose moving to the inevitable topic of what you've just discussed and the cup tie tomorrow against Shelburne. It's another meeting with a Premier League opponent, but a side that themselves are now without a win in nine. Now, I know cup form is often form goes out the window, but that has to be something that's dragging in down a lift. What are you thinking about the tie? Um, I've just I've just had this very similar conversation in the sense that if you if you look at the games they've been losing, Shelburne, they haven't been battered by anybody. Mm. And I mean, a last minute winner, uh, sorry, a last minute defeat against the, the team that are probably going to be the champions and have been playing European football this this year, that's that's no mean feat. And they've, they've, they were in the game for a very long period of time. They led in the game twice. And you, you, you look at the Shelbourne side, they've got, they've got great energy. They've, they've got athleticism. They've got organisation. And I, I think for me, to a certain degree, the form's irrelevant. And without sounding too obvious, it's going to be as simple as the team that turns up tomorrow and, and performs will win the game. And I think whatever happened before that from a form perspective is irrelevant. Well, that's it. And obviously, it's you're talking about a side obviously managed by a, a great name in, in Irish football, and Damien Duff. And I suppose echoing what you have said in the praise, you've got Stephen Bradley from Shamrock Rovers, very, very complimentary of what Duff has done in his first year. From a personal perspective, how are you relishing locking horns with a, a name like that? It's such a fantastic name in the game. Yeah, listen. I was a massive admirer of Damien when he played uh, both Blackburn and Chelsea. I thought he was 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 an exceptional Premier League footballer, and it's nice to see him working where he's working because there is a stigma, in, especially in England, with regards to ex Premier League players. The the assumption they're just going to walk into these massive jobs on these massive salaries. And I watched his interview the other day about how much he loves the club and that he wants to manage he wants to manage his his team and. That's that's a real admirable thing in in the modern day where people are so hungry for glory and he you can clearly see that the players emulate his passion on the pitch and that's that's a hard thing to get because when you when you're looking for a buy-in as a coach or a manager you, you you're relying on the fact that the players see what you're trying to do and and believe in it and they clearly got a big belief in in their manager and and as I said you you want to be playing against the best teams you want to be working against the best coaches and. And he's obviously proven to be a, a, a really, really top guy. The two of you almost share a similar scenario in that you're looking to gain your first piece of silver as a coach as well. Obviously with, with Waterford, two-time winners of the FA Cup, not tasted success since 1980. I'd imagine he shares an awful lot of what you share in a desire to get that one over the line and have something on the mantelpiece. 
Well, look, you can see by by the way he talks, he's a winner. And anyone who, who kind of knows me knows that that's my mentality as well. Even yesterday, I had a bit of food with, with Uche last night and we're talking about other sports and what he does in his time off. And, and we were having the same conversation. I want to win everything. I don't care what it is. If myself and you now are going to play rock, paper, scissors, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be happy if I don't win. And... And you can see Damien's got that, and we both we both want to get our hands on that trophy. And look, that that just I think it sets it up for a really really good fixture tomorrow. And and I'm and I'm pretty confident people will not be disappointed. Ticket sales would indicate that people are looking <coughs> forward to it as well. Look at looking at the squad as a whole, especially over this run of very very consistent results. There's been many standout performers. Junior, fantastic, I suppose have to touch on Phoenix Patterson and tremendous form and the I suppose the output that he has with his goals he's got 5-5 five and five at the moment yeah just how impressed have you been with him he's been outstanding since I've been in but I, I've just literally had this again this conversation about Junior and, and Phoenix and they've, they've they're phenomenal they're phenomenal talents they've they, they've got plaudits coming out from everywhere and thoroughly deserved but behind them is a very very strong solid and talented group of players as well and I'm. Sometimes it's nice because they go quietly under the radar and they can just get on and get on with their work and whatnot. But I think it's important to point out at this stage of the season that Junior and Phoenix and our, our, our attacking players can't do what they do without the other lads. And we we we're very lucky and very fortunate that we've got some real young talent in our group. And in fact, we've got a lot of young talent in our group. And look. If, if they keep doing what they're doing, then Junior and Phoenix can keep doing what they're doing. And on that, I suppose the last thing I'll touch on with you, there is tremendous talent there, tremendous youth there. A lot of new faces have come in under the new ownership. How happy are you with the integration of that youth and the experience that's been brought in? Absolutely seamless. I, can't, I, I, couldn't, have, I couldn't have wanted for more. I, look, one of my recruitment models is, is the person first. We need to know what the what the, what they are like as a person, what their what their beliefs are, what their morals are, how how they fit in, what their work ethic is. Like ego comes into it, and when you've got a dressing room like we've got, which is quite impressionable, it's because it is a young dressing room, um, and we've got a group of players that have really bought into what I want. You you have to make sure when you're bringing players into that system that they're not going to upset the apple cart. And even you go back as far as when we brought Wasim in. I, I know him anyway. I knew he would fit in with the group. I knew he'd bring a different element, but he would fit in. And Timmy, Raul and, and, and Baps, they've been outstanding in, in, in different ways, but they've all brought something to the table, which has been embraced by the group. And uh, luck or judgment, you, people can take their choice on that one. But I, I think that we, we, as a club, we did very, very well in that window. Yeah, I would agree. And again, from the outside looking in, Seems nothing but positivity at the moment. I know you're busy. Won't take any more of your time. I wish you the very best of luck tomorrow. I can't wait for it. And hopefully the next time we speak, we're talking about a final. Amazing, Sean. Hopefully, hopefully so. Thank you. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. That's it for this week's show. It's great to hear from you every week, so continue to connect with me at sports at beat102103.com. Dean's up next with Beat Anthems, but right before that, I got something very special for all of you clubs in the region. Club Focus with Eco Solar Energy, the solar experts you can rely on. Make the cleaner choice. EcoSolarEnergy.ie. How do you fancy winning a grand for your club? Club Focus is back. 
Each month I visit a club in the region and I give them a chance to take their place in the limelight to feature on air, online and across our socials. At the end of the 12 months, one of the lucky clubs is going to bag €1,000 bursary. The winning club is also going to be chosen through a public vote, so it's a fantastic opportunity to attract new members. Club Focus is part of Beat's ongoing commitment to support the work that all of you brilliant clubs do, while also celebrating the positive impact that you have on all of your local communities. So if you want to get involved, it's as simple as heading to beat102103.com forward slash Club Focus and apply now. I'll see you soon. Club Focus with Eco Solar Energy, the solar experts you can rely on. Make the cleaner choice. EcoSolarEnergy.ie